Hello, welcome back to the Ice Bath. I am Matt. I'm Griff. And uh, Halloween's coming up, so uh, if you're watching the YouTube version of this, you're going to see that we're you know wearing our costumes today. Uh, you know, Bobby Boucher. Spooky Week 8 coming up. Um, but first, let's, let's recap a, a solid Week 7. Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of headlines to go over because a lot happened since the last time we recorded. Um, yeah, quite on a lot. Tuesday, so we've got a lot to jump into. Let's start it off with Christian McCaffrey. Um, this is our first episode since the trade, which was a huge, huge trade. Massive. Um, C-Mac is finally free. He's out of that offense from Carolina. Um, the 49ers give up a second, third, fourth, and a fifth to acquire CMC. Going forward, he's locked in as a top fantasy back if he's healthy. I think the top fantasy back. I Yeah, I I, I could agree with that. Um, I feel like the game script is going to fit him a lot in yeah. San Fran. Um, they're going to be ahead or close in a lot of games to where he's going to be utilized a ton. Yeah, I mean, talk about a massive upgrade for McCaffrey going from one of the worst offenses in the league in Carolina to a, a top-tier rushing uh, team in uh the 49ers yeah i think it's a great fit for mccaffrey and i think this was a great trade overall for san fran and like you said moving forward christian mccaffrey's gonna be the guy yeah i mean and kyle shanahan he's a genius when it comes to run, run blocking schemes uh and with somebody as versatile as mccaffrey i have zero doubt in my mind that they will be able to use every aspect of his skill set yeah uh, his first game with them he only had uh 10 touches which was expected i actually yeah. think this i think he got more touches than i expected um he had eight carries for 38 yards two catches for 24 yards um but just going forward he's going to he's he's gonna get 25 touches a game i think i i agree um I mean, the Niners didn't give up their entire day to draft capital and not use CMC. Right. So, um, I think he, it's just a matter of time before he's putting up uh, the numbers he was putting up before he got injured, you know, back-to-back years. Um, and uh, as far as impacts on other players, um, this is obviously going to impact Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson's value, but I think that Debo Samuel will be unaffected. I feel like some people might be worried that, like, with McCaffrey's receiving ability and obviously being a, a primarily a running back, that Debo Samuel is going to maybe lose some carries, lose some receptions in the receiving game. I don't think it affects him at all. Super, I actually do think it affects Debo Samuel moving forward. Really? I do. Um, the reason why is because we we look at the 49ers and we're used to them using multiple running backs every single year. Mm-hmm. Now they have a solid RB1. More than solid. It's Christian McCaffrey. Right. I think that's going to impact Debo as a uh, running back. Um, I don't think he'll be used. Obviously, they're going to throw him in packages in the backfield, but I don't think he's going to be used in that way as much. And it's kind of up to Jimmy Garoppolo at this point to get him the ball through the air, which is what scares me a little bit. I think that it's he's going to be lining up in the backfield probably even more now than McCaffrey because you can line McCaffrey up out wide. You can throw McCaffrey in the slot, and then you could have these fancy end-around plays with Debo Samuel. You have Christian McCaffrey. You have two guys that can play both receiver and running back. Why not use them in, in, in that way? I mean, Kyle Shanahan, if anybody's going to do it, it's him. You know. I get it, but you also don't need to risk your top receiver getting hurt on those now that you have an RB1. We also don't need to risk your RB one getting hurt. Yeah, ver- but he's going to vice use, versa. He's going to be used as a running back, though. You bring him in as a running back. That's what they're. Yeah, but they're not going to run him into the grounds. They're going to you know line him up wide a lot too. And I mean, which which is why I think 
when Elijah Mitchell comes back, Elijah Mitchell is going to be a touchdown dependent RB4 because I think he's going to get the goal line carries. I don't think they're going to line up McCaffrey at the no, goal line. No, McCaffrey won't be lined up on the goal line. No. So I, th- I, I think Mitchell, like if, if you have him, hold on to him for running back depth. Um, I don't think that this trade is going to affect him totally. Like he, he's not going to get wiped off the face of the earth but i think this uh could affect kittle quite a bit i know he just had a really big game against kc he had uh six for 98 and a score um but at the same time you're bringing in another threat in the receiving game in christian mccaffrey and that's another person you got to feed the ball to um i think Unfortunately, Kittle's going to suffer for that from that because they're going to use him in a lot of blocking schemes. Yeah, I mean he's a t- he's probably the best blocking tight end in the league. He is arguably, and I I hundred percent agree. I th- I think his value is going to be affected more than Debo's. I I I agree with that, but I do yeah. think Debo is going to suffer a little bit. Uh, I I still think Debo's going to be a wide receiver one though. I mean, not the wide receiver one, but he's going to be a, a top ten, top twelve fantasy receiver because. They, I mean, aside from Ayuk, they don't really have anybody else in the receiving game. That's true. And and I do solely believe that he's going to still get carries um, out of the backfield and be used in all different kinds of packages. Um, that wasn't the only trade that happened, though. Um, you want to you want to take this one? Yeah, last night was awesome. I w- I wasn't even home. I wasn't paying attention to my phone, and I got the notification that Jim Bob James Robinson is a New York Jet. I love the trade. Um, James Robinson is a 24-year-old former UDFA. He's going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the season, so the Jets are going to keep him for next year. Um, they, they're building up a scary running back room for when Brees Hall could recover. And before we move on, Brees Hall was on pace to have an insane year. He was the clear-cut rookie of, offensive rookie of the year, and he goes down with a torn ACL, which just ended his season, and it's devastating. Not only as a Jet fan, but as a football fan. Because you have this guy coming in that's putting up numbers similar to what uh, Jonathan Taylor was doing last season. And Brees Hall could have been something special this year. I mean, not saying that he won't be now, but he's got a long road to recovery. But with that being said, the Jets have still have a strong running back room. You have James Robinson now, along with Michael Carter. They're going to be 1A, 1B. And moving forward in fantasy, I would love to have both of these guys. Um, I think they're both must-roster guys. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it before on the podcast that Michael Carter is uh, better when he has a, a complimentary back there with him ever since going back to his college days yes. with Javante Williams in North Carolina. So um, I, I agree 100%. I think Michael Carter is going to have a lot of value, but I think Robinson is going to have just as much value. Um, I, I'd, I'd probably put him at RB3s, both of them. I could see that. I think uh, I think Robinson has more of an RB two upside. Yeah, it just, just depends how. Touch independent. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how they're going to use it. I would assume James Robinson becomes the RB one A once he learns the playbook, though. Yeah, I mean James Robinson is a monster. He is. So, um, speaking of staying on the topic of running backs, um, how about Clyde edwards hilaire getting benched? Yeah, I first off I would take it with a grain of salt. Um, the report came out that Pacheco was starting, and Pacheco still didn't even have the most snaps uh, as a Chiefs running back. It was actually Jarek McKinnon. But uh, CEH obviously fell into the end zone. He had the touchdown, which helped his fantasy day. But 
going forward, the only offensive player I think I would want in fantasy outside of Kelsey and Mahomes, obviously, is Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, I mean, Juju is somebody that I drafted because I thought he was going to have a huge year. And he started off really slow, but he's starting to, to produce. I mean, he's getting targeted. He's back-to-back and, games with 100 and a touchdown. Yeah, he's had 20-plus fantasy points in PPR leagues back-to-back weeks. That's that's a, a solid – I mean, that that's a wide receiver one production, but I'd say he's probably a low-end wide receiver two as of right now until he stays up with the consistency. I completely agree. I think he's a low-end wide receiver two, high-end flex. Yeah. Um, you know, looking at the other receivers on that team, Nicole Hardman had three touchdowns on six touches. That is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would not look too far into that game. If you have them and you're getting some offers for Nicole Hardman, I'd sell high if you could, which I highly doubt you could. Um, I wouldn't be rushing to pick up Nicole Hardman. And if anything, if somebody dropped Juju early on in the season, I know the Chiefs are on a bye this week, but... If you uh, if you think your team's all right for this week, you stat uh, picking up somebody to stash for other bye weeks. Juju is a great great option out there. One hundred percent. And sticking on to the theme of receivers, how do you feel about Michael Pittman's value? Personally, I think he's I think he's going down. Um, I, I agree. So unless you've been hiding under the rock or, or a rock uh, the last twenty four hours, you should know that Colts head coach. Frank Reich has announced that Matt Ryan is being benched for second-year quarterback Sam Allinger. Uh, Allinger is a very mobile quarterback. Uh, he relies heavily on his athleticism to make plays. Uh, but I believe that this change at quarterback is going to affect the value of Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, Pittman was seeing a large target share with Ryan as a starter, but Ryan was also passing for 37-plus attempts a game. He was. Um, uh, that's not That kind of volume is not going to happen with Sam Allinger. No, it's really not. And I think this affects the value of not only Pittman, but also Alec Pierce, who we've talked about the last couple of weeks. Yep. Um, I, I, I would wait and see a little bit, but I'm leaning towards dropping Alec Pierce. Um, if you have a guy like say Michael Carter or Juju Smith Schuster out there, I'd prioritize them over Alec Pierce. Um, but yeah, moving forward, I don't, you know, Pittman's Michael Pittman's a great, great wide receiver and I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from him, but I just don't think Sam Ellinger is going to be very good. Michael Pittman Jr. had fringe wide receiver one upside with Matt Ryan at quarterback. Now Michael Pittman is a, a pretty mid wide receiver two, in my opinion, yeah. uh, especially since Indy's going to convert to a run-heavy offense going forward. I mean, you've got Sam Alger, who's an absolute athlete. you got Naheim Hines. You have Jonathan Taylor. Uh, you have a, a pretty solid offensive line, uh, especially in the, the run game. Uh, and as you said, Ellinger is not anybody that really impresses me. No. I mean, I... I've, he went, he went late in the draft last year. Quarterbacks go late for a reason, you know. He This is a guy that came in, and they expected him to be like a Taysom Hill-type player, and now you're, you're going to hand over the reins to him. I'm not I'm not totally convinced. I agree. Um, the only one I really trust them. Well, so if you have Pittman, you're starting him. Um, the only other guy I trust in that offense is Jonathan Taylor, honestly. Mm-hmm. which I think his workload is going to be insane now. Um, yeah, he's going to get 25-plus carries a game. He has to. Yeah. If that team's going to stay in games, Jonathan Taylor has to carry the offense once again. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of hot offenses, I guess not really talking about hot, hot, hot offenses. Hot but teams. Hot teams. The New York Giants are 6-1. Six six and and one. One. Somehow... 
some way, the Giants keep pulling it out. No idea how this team is 6-1, but it felt like it was worth acknowledging on the podcast. It has to be. I mean, kudos to Brian Dable, uh, Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones. It's a shame that this past week they lost a couple key offensive players. You got Daniel Bellinger, fractured eye socket. You have a MCL injury for Evan Neal, you know, their, their first round offensive tackle, who looked, you know, kind of not great towards the, the beginning of the year, but is really, you know, throwing himself together yep. um, going forward. But th- th- that's that's huge. Th- their offensive line is, is taking a hit. I think that kind of hurts Saquon's uh, value a little bit as well, just because you're, you're losing that protection on, on the edges. And, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I, I expect that. Well, we'll talk about the, their matchup this week a little later, but um, th- I think this is going to really, really impact the Giants. Yeah, talking about New York football teams uh, with some offensive line injuries, the Jets also lost Elijah Vera Tucker for the season. Yeah. Um, you know, that's another offensive lineman down. He's a, a converted guard, played some tackle this year, and it's not not good. Yeah, not good. no, I mean, I, Elijah Vera Tucker has been stellar. So that's, that's a huge loss. Um, best thing about bye weeks no disappointment. Am I right? Hey, you guys are undefeated. Don't talk about disappointment. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, no injuries. We didn't lose a game. (laughs) That is true. I I got to sit back and watch football and you know, knowing my Eagles are still undefeated. (laughs) That is very true. All right. Week eight picks. Uh, last week we both went nine and five. Um, does that bring us to a cumulative? I am now 61, 44, and 1. No, 46 and 1, I believe. Yeah. 61, 46 and 1. You are 62, 45 and 1. So you still Ooh. have me by one game right now. Nice. Um, we have a lot of a lot of really tough games to pick this week. Yeah, well, so, some games seem like it, they're like going to be uh, blowouts on paper. But I, I see a lot of trap games. I do too. I also see a lot of coin flip matchups. Yep. Um, Started off with uh, yeah. Thursday night. We got Baltimore at Tampa Bay, the struggling offense and defense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is one where I do feel like it, it is quite of a trap game. Um, you know, Tampa Bay is coming off two straight losses to the two worst teams in football. Mm-hmm. Um. But at the same time, it's still Tom Brady. He's got Chris Godwin. He's got Mike Evans. You've got Leonard Fournette. You've got the playmakers on offense to do well. I, their secondary is just banged up, and that's what's going to kill them. I'm taking Baltimore in this game. I'm taking Baltimore, but for for a couple different reasons. Tampa Bay, yeah, they have all these weapons, correct? But their offensive line is horrendous. It is really bad. Brady has no protection. Fournette has not been able to run the ball because no protection. Uh, and I think Tampa is just that bad. I think that – I don't think Tampa makes the playoffs at this rate. I do. I, I don't because you, you have – that offensive line is just – it's so bad and it's only going to get worse going forward. They're in the worst division in football, though. It doesn't matter. All you got to do is win a couple divisional games. You got to beat the Panthers next time you play them. But they're they're playing a, a, a top schedule. Well, I mean, you look at a, a team like uh, – the Falcons. I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons made it over the, uh, the Buccaneers. But th- that's aside the point. I'm taking Baltimore. I think Tampa is really bad. Uh, I think, you know, just between that offensive line, Brady having off-the-field issues that I think is affecting his gameplay. 
Baltimore is a really, really solid team. Uh, give me Baltimore here. Yeah. Um, we got a London game. This time we actually do have a London game. I looked it up. The <laughs> sheet was not wrong. We got Denver at Jacksonville, Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Give me Jacksonville. Yeah, I, uh, I'll i take Jacksonville as well. Uh, Russell Wilson, uh, as of right now, it doesn't look like he's going to play, right? I highly doubt it, especially going across, across the world. Yeah. Um, I I across think the, Brett Rippin. Ocean. I think Brett Rippin uh, gets another start, and he looked terrible. He was yeah. really bad. Uh, yeah, he was, he was really bad. Uh, Denver in general is just really bad. I mean, their defense has really carried them so far this their season. Their defense is unreal. And... Uh, I, I think like I think it's gonna be a really really good game, but for like true football fans who like appreciate defense, because it's gonna be this gonna yeah, be a low scoring. Yeah, it'll game be all a day. very low scoring game. Lawrence is gonna have two or more interceptions. Um, Rippin's gonna have two or more interceptions. Uh, but Jacksonville, I just think are, are the better team on paper right now, and have been playing slightly better. Like they they should have won against New York. They should have. But um, you know they they slipped up towards the end of the game. And uh, they, they, they took the L. But they were half me, a yard short of winning. Right. Yeah. I mean, give me Jacksonville here. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Carolina at Atlanta. Um, I'm, I'm going with the Falcons here. I, I You know, Carolina's coming off uh, two solid games with P.J. Walker at the helm. Um, and he's going to be their quarterback moving forward. I don't think there's any way Baker or Sam Darnold come in and take that job from him. Um, but at the same time, the team's just not that good or not good at all. No. Um, especially if Brian Burns ends up getting traded. You don't know what's happening with DJ Moore. Um, I don't think they're done trading away some pieces. You know, it wouldn't shock me if one of those guys is still with Carolina this week. But at, uh, I I do think one of them gets traded. I'm going Atlanta here. Yeah, uh, I think Carolina is in shambles. Um, no idea how they they, um, they they won last week, right? Yeah. Yeah. No idea they, how that happened. They just happened. beat Tampa. Right, right. I, I that's what I thought. I just, you know, slip a judgment. They right killed there. Tampa, twenty yeah. to three. Um, I still think Atlanta wins this one. Mm-hmm. Atlanta just got destroyed by Cincy, and Atlanta's been a pretty solid team thus far. Uh, Atlanta had some injuries, and I think, uh, you know, they're gonna get healthy. This is a get right game for Atlanta, who I personally really like this year. So give me Atlanta. All right, we got Chicago at Dallas. Give me Dallas. Dallas I'm going day. Dallas too, but Chicago did look pretty good last night. They did, but New England's defense is not Dallas's defense. That is also very true. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm Parsons, going Dallas too. But, Michael Parsons uh, is not allowing Justin Fields to run as much as he did against New England. I agree, but I would like to point out that Justin Fields did have a really good game, and the Chicago defense had a really solid game against uh, Mid-Jones and Bailey Zappi. So, yeah. We got Miami at Detroit. Give me Miami. Me too. This this feels like a trap game though. Uh, if Swift comes back, it's definitely a trap game. But I I, I like Miami. Miami just with Tua back, I think they're one of the better teams in the AFC. Uh, you got a, a beastly receiving core, and I mean as long as Tua can just continue to make the throws he needs to, I don't see this team losing many games. Yeah, I completely agree. Especially to, to a team like Detroit, who isn't all that great. Um, Arizona at Minnesota. Yeah, give me Minnesota all day here at home. Minnesota. Yeah, this is another one that feels like a trap game, but 
Um, I'm going Minnesota just because uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 is being released and Kyler Murray uh, is not great when new CODs come out or when it's double XP weekend. Uh, so for that very reason, I'm going Minnesota. We got Vegas at New Orleans. Uh, I think this will be a very close game. Um, I'm going to go with Vegas on the road, though. I'm also going Vegas on the road, but New Orleans has been keeping a lot of games close. Yes. I mean, you, you go back to that London game against Minnesota. Like, they lost by uh, a field goal. Like I think a lot of it has to do with the fact they're actually they're, they're utilizing Alvin Kamara like he should be used. Mm-hmm. And you have to get the ball in your best player's hands if you want to stay in games, especially these games that, on paper, are close. Um, Alvin Kamara is a huge piece of this offense, and if you're not getting him 20 touches a game, I don't think you really have a chance. Yeah, the, their biggest weakness right now is quarterback. I mean, yes. Andy Dalton statistically has been better than Jameis Winston, but Andy Dalton has also really thrown games away, literally. I mean, you go back to the Arizona yeah. game last week. How many interceptions he have? Three, four, something like that. Like he, he, his turnovers have really been costly to this offense and this team in general. Um, and, and Vegas doesn't have the worst defense in the world, so I'm gonna take Las Vegas. Um, New England at your New York Jets. Yeah, the new look New York Jets. Not sure how much uh, James Robinson's gonna play this week. Um, the O line is banged up. You know the the Brees Hall injury is just a killer. But at the same time, you've got a home game against your your biggest rival. You've got to go out and beat them. You got to make a statement. Give me Jets here. Uh, 100% agree with that. This is definitely a statement game. And New England with the quarterback controversy that they have going on between Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi, uh, I think is going to come and uh, bite them a little bit in the backside. Yeah. Give me the Jets. Uh, you got Pitt at my Philadelphia Eagles. Give me the Eagles all day This here. one's a blowout. Come, coming off a bye. This one's a Pittsburgh blowout. No, I'm just kidding. Give me Philly all day. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. No, yeah, Phil- you had Phil- me in the first half. Philly all day, easy. Yeah. I mean, this should be. You, you've had two weeks to prepare for this game, yes. and it, it should be should be an easy win. I don't see this being a trap game at all. No, Philly's just a way better team. Philly is the best team in the league, and I, be- I will argue anybody about and I, that. And I believe Kenny Pickett's, uh, as a starter, has one touchdown and six interceptions so far. Yeah, but you look at his all those interceptions. I think it might be seven interceptions. Um, but you, you, you look at all those interceptions, all the- only three were his fault. Yeah, I, I, I know. But his receiving course he's- has some bad drops. They have. And the Pittsburgh's offense is just not that good. Najee Harris uh, has less rushing yards than Daniel Jones this season. Danny Dimes. Danny Dimes has more vanilla rushing Vic. yards than yes, Vanilla Vic. He has more rushing yards than Najee Harris right now through I, seven weeks. Yeah, I mean, Daniel Jones. Who knew he'd be this much of a dual threat? Um, Tennessee at Houston. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Tennessee here. I I hate how good Tennessee is because. It just it doesn't make sense. They shouldn't be this good. I feel like on paper, like they lost so many key players to injuries at the beginning of the season, and the fact that and and you don't even have like a, a top receiver right now. How are they winning games? You know what it comes down to? They're coaching. Mike yeah. Vrabel is an excellent head coach. There's a reason he was coach of the year last year. Yes, I mean I'll give you that. Uh, I got to go Tennessee here. Um, I've I've bet against Tennessee too much this season. It's time to start riding with them against, especially against Houston, who yeah. 
aside from Damian Pierce, has nobody. Uh, Washington at Indianapolis. This is a coin flip of a game for me. This one was an absolute coin flip for me. You've got Taylor Heineke versus Sam Ellinger. Um, game of the week. Yes. I am... Yeah. Surprised this wasn't prime time. Yeah. Flex it. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Washington here, but honestly, this game could go either way. I have no idea. For me, I literally flipped a coin. Um, I took Indy. All right. Yeah. I uh, like it. Uh, well, I... I, I did you know kind of want to pick Indy though, just because I think the Sam Ellinger thing is going to give them a bit of a spark that they need. And what happened? Uh, oh, the camera went out for a second. Oh, sorry okay. about that. Um, um, the reason why I am going Washington here is I think Taylor Heineke provided them a pretty big spark. Um, they came out and beat a struggling Green Bay Packers team. Mm-hmm. Um, but he got it done. Right. And he's been, you know, he was effective enough. The, the running backs are going to, you know, they'll, they'll perform. You got, um, Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson back there. So, I mean, you, you have two solid running backs that you could utilize, but the thing is, I, it's kind of the matchup of running backs and Jonathan Taylor's just better. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they do have better playmakers, um, Indianapolis. And, uh, again, I think Sam Ellinger is going to give the spark that uh, Taylor Heineke gave to Washington last week. I think it's going to, you know, kind of work against them. I can see I think Indy wins. Uh, Next game, San Fran at LA Rams. Yeah, give me San Fran. I think Christian McCaffrey just has a huge game. Um, Mm -hmm. he'll He'll have the playbook learned, at least most of it, by then. I would assume so. I, no, I, I really don't know how long it takes to learn a playbook. Um, I would assume for these guys, it's can't be too bad. I, I would think, uh, you know, they set up packages for him last week. They'll probably do the same, but I think he's just going to increase his touches, and I think he, he has a monster game against the Rams. Yeah. Um, San Fran owns the Rams. They do. So, I I mean, I just I couldn't overlook that when picking this game. The Rams have not looked great this season. They haven't even look, really looked that great, uh, that good. Um, so, oh, my tag's hanging out. <laughs> yeah, ignore that. I was initially going to return this when I bought it, but I, I figured it was worth <laughs> keeping. Um, yeah, no, give me a San Fran. Yeah. Uh, next game is the Giants at Seattle. So, this is a trap game. Give me Seattle. Really? Yes. I'm going with the Giants. I'm, okay. I'm riding the hot hand for until the wheels fall off. Um, you know, Daniel Jones has just been good enough to win games, and that's all they need him to do. He's been better than good enough. I would say Brian Dable and this whole coaching staff has done a great job scheming up plays to get Daniel Jones, you know, get receivers open and allow him to use his feet, which he's, he's very quick. He's very mobile. Yep. Um, you know, he's playing himself into another contract, and I I think Saquon has a day against the Seattle defense. Now, I really, really, really think that the Giants are the better team here. However, again, this is a trap game. The Giants aren't going to go seven and one. Um, I mean, I just I can't see it. The, the Seattle um, is going to take advantage of the Giants not having Evan Neal. I think that, that 
also the, uh, the Giants lost uh, Daniel Bellinger. So, uh, again, another guy that was a, a, a key target for Daniel Jones. He was kind of his shutdown guy. Um, he was pretty big in the, the blocking game as well. Uh, I think the Giants run game is going to struggle a lot uh, against Seattle for the, the sole reason that um, th- their offensive line is, is banged up and they're without their, their star tight end uh, or, or upcoming star tight end. And also you, you go back to when Seattle played Arizona, Seattle absolutely shut down Arizona's run game. They did. And, and made, made Kyler throw for it. I think that Seattle's going to do the same thing here with the, uh, against Daniel Jones and the Giants. I think they're going to make Daniel Jones pass, and Daniel Jones doesn't really have the best receiving core to throw to. Well, that that is the issue right now, and I, I don't think a lot of it falls onto Daniel Jones's ability to make plays because he's shown he can make those plays. Right, he makes the throws that he needs to. But I mean, you're down a lot of receivers. Your your number one right now is like Wandale Robinson, a rookie, which I I love Wandale Robinson, but coming in as a rookie to be the number one wide receiver is a tough ask. Yeah. Yeah, uh, this is, again, this is a trap game for me. Uh, I think Seattle is really going to take advantage of the Giants' um, weekend offensive line. So, our next game is Green Bay at Buffalo. Yeah, give me Buffalo all day long. Buffalo. Green Bay has looked disastrous, to say the least. Um, I mean, I don't even really need to talk about this. Buffalo is the second-best team in the league, right behind Philly. And uh, Green Bay has just lost games that they should be winning. Um, and they're just, they're, it's their own fault. It they're, is. They're not using Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon properly. They and AJ Dillon has not been as good as he was this year, or as good as he was last year this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Buffalo all day. Monday night game. We got Cincinnati at Cleveland. I'm going to go with the Bengals. They, they're on fire. Mm-hmm. The, the Burrow to chase connection is un- unbelievable. And, you know, I just saw a report come out that the, uh, the Browns, are looking into trading Greedy Williams, so that would be another piece of the uh, of their defensive backs that would be out. Um, I think Cincy has a field day here. Yeah, I I took Cincy for the exact same reasons. You literally just said everything I was going to say. So, nice. uh, cool. That that wraps that up. Uh, our parlay picks of the week. I'll kick it off. I have Tennessee minus two. I have the 49ers money line. The Jets money line. And the Dolphins money line for plus 1,031 odds. Lay down $10, you're going to win yourself a clean 103. And for mine, I got Baltimore money line, Miami money, money line, Tennessee minus two. Cool little three leg parlay for plus 445 odds. Got to get me a win real quick. Wow, we, we got uh, some similar legs there. We do. Uh, and that's going to take us next to the waiver wire watch. It is waiver watch time. I'll kick it off with a guy we already talked about, so we don't need to really talk about it a ton. We got Michael Carter. And, you know, as a Jets fan, I'm a huge Michael Carter truther. Day one, I said he would be RB1A. Obviously, Grease Lightning became a thing. And now that he's out for the year, Carter's going to have a big role again. I think bringing in James Robinson was necessary for this team. And I expect both to be used quite often. Um, But I do think, like, and I I do think, I said this before, both should be rostered in, in all leagues. Um, Carter's available in 35% of sleeper leagues. So he's out there in deeper leagues and he's a must add. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Jets are clearly our own first team. Yes. So um, we got the Gus bus is the next guy on our yeah. wire watch. Uh, he's only rostered in 39% of sleeper leagues and he is the leader of this backfield. I mean, I feel like 
every year we're, we're talking about Gus Edwards is, you know, the lead back in, in Baltimore. Ever since he's come to the league, he's always had a, a role there. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, Dobbins is out four to six weeks. And, uh, I mean, Edwards this past week was the leader of this team, 16 carries, 66 yards, and two tutties. Uh He played most of the snaps out of all of the Baltimore running backs. Uh, and Kenyon Drake only had 11 carries for five yards on Sunday. He was just a non-factor. Overall. Yes. Um, the Ravens do have a short week as they play Tampa on Thursday. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if Justice Hill and Kenyon Drake got some more reps with Edwards coming off of a significant injury. Uh, however, Edwards is the guy you want moving forward. Yeah, 100%. Um, um, now we got a, a two-headed backfield, which is going to be a running back by committee. We got Chuba Hubbard and Deontay Foreman. Yep. Um, with C-Mac being traded, you know, that leaves a huge hole that needs to be filled. And, you know, you come in with two guys that could do their best to try to fill at least 50% of that role. Um, whether it was Chuba Hubbard or Deontay Foreman, they were both pretty effective against Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're both they both produced – over 15 uh, PPR points. Um, you know, this type of production, these guys are probably both low-end RB3s and probably worth a flex spot. Right now, I would choose Foreman over Hubbard. Um, you know, I was listening to Matthew Barry earlier, or even when uh, when C-Mac first got traded and he, he was big on Foreman as well. Um, Foreman has that big playability. And he showed that against Tampa. Mm -hmm. Uh, About half of his yards on the ground came in one play with a big 60-yard touchdown run. Um, But Carolina knows he has that big playability. Right. Um, So, yeah, moving forward, I would probably roster Foreman. I'd stay away from Hubbard right now, especially because he did get hurt at the end of that game. They're saying it's not a significant injury at all. Yeah, he's questionable for next week. But I do think Foreman's big playability just adds more value to him in fantasy. Yeah, um, and I mean, that, that is shown by a lot of fantasy owners because Foreman's rostered half of Yahoo Leagues and Chuba is rostered in less than 40% of Yahoo yeah. Leagues. I believe it was 37% when I looked. So uh, Foreman's probably the guy you want going forward, but I think they're both going to have their value in fantasy. I agree. Um, our last waiver wire watch candidate is Evan Ingram. Uh, he's just a great example of sometimes a change of scenery is all player needs to break out. Um, you look at Evan Ingram, and he was considered a bust with the New York Giants. Uh, it seemed like he dropped the ball more than he actually caught it. Um, yeah, that's messed up, man. But it's, it is it's, true. It's true, yeah. It is true. Um, and, I mean, ever since signing with Jacksonville this offseason, it, it seems like his receiving ability has improved tremendously, uh, and it's translated into consistent fantasy production. Um, Evan Ingram has nine or more points the last three weeks in PPR leagues, which is solid production for a tight end. Uh, I mean, that's if you ask me, uh, especially with this season, unless you have one of the top tier tight ends in uh, Kelsey or Andrews, uh, 10, nine, 10 points a week from your tight end is really solid. Yeah. Um, Ingram has 23 targets total over the course of the past three games. And he's definitely worth picking up if you're in need of a tight end, whether it, you know, it'd be a buy that yours is on, or you just didn't really draft well at the tight end position. Uh, and he is available roughly uh, 41% of Yahoo leagues. Yeah, I think I think it's great if you have he's a great tight end to, if you need somebody for a bye week. Um, yeah, you you hit it all. Everything I was <laughs> gonna say about him, you, you hit. So, all right, now it's time for a couple sleeper selections, um, guys that I expect to have a solid week. I'm gonna start it off with a guy that I am a little angry with. 
Um, Elijah Moore. You know, it was a bad look for Elijah Moore requesting a trade. Um, it always is. I mean, yeah, the, the players try to look out for themselves, and the media always portrays them as the enemy, the villain. You're on a 4-2 and two team at the time, now 5-2. and two. You're the second leader in targets on this team, and you're complaining about not getting the ball. Um, I think he needs to realize the team needs him right now, though. I would expect some packages with Eli in the backfield. Um, I would like to point out he did return to practice, and Robert Sala did say he is expecting him to play this coming Sunday. Um, but And with uh, James Robinson most likely not having enough time to learn an entire playbook, um, some packages you know, he'll have Carter's going to get the, he'll be the lead back. But if LeFleur can scheme up some plays with Elijah Moore as a back, he can be very dynamic and a strong flex play in fantasy this week. Yeah. I mean, you look back at college, Elijah Moore was utilized very heavily um, all over the field. So uh, our next guy, that's a sleeper this week or going forward, Hunter Renfro. Renfro has been struggling lately uh, along with most of the Raiders offense. Uh, and he has yet to find the end zone uh, coming off a game with only three targets. But if Lattimore plays against the Raiders um, th- this this week, he's going to be shadowing Devontae Adams most of the game, and that's going to give Renfro the chances to use his route running ability to get open in space. Yeah, 100%. And the last one I've got on here is Jamal Williams. Even with DeAndre Swift most likely coming back, Jamal Williams is a dynamic running back. He had at least 12 touches in the first two games when Swift was active, and he's going to get all the goal line work. With the Lions needing to be careful with DeAndre Swift's injury history, I'd expect Williams to have more touches than Swift this week and probably be more effective. Yeah, I mean, Jamal Williams was just as effective as uh, DeAndre Swift in fantasy, in fantasy, when they both were on the field. Yeah. Uh, Jamal Williams, his entire career has always been the type of guy that flourishes in uh, a two-back offense, so uh, I think it's no different here. Yeah. And I think that's going to wrap up our uh, the, the, the pod this week, the Ice Bath Sports Podcast. Uh, thank you again for listening. Um, and before we sign off, I do want to say Happy Halloween. Yeah, Happy uh, Halloween. Because um, it's next Monday. So yeah, so we, we, we post will, every Tuesday. Yeah. So, so we'll be back uh, the day after. Um, November 1st. Yeah, November 1st. Wow, already. Yeah. Well, anyways, thank you for tuning in to the Ice Bath Sports Podcast. And always be sure to check us out on social media. We are at Ice Bath Sports on Instagram and TikTok, at Ice Bath Pod on Twitter. And you can check out the video version of this show on the Ice Bath Sports Podcast YouTube page. As always, we'll see you next Tuesday. Stay, Stay cool. cool.